This is Alive with Joseph. This morning, we are looking at what I titled Remodel Relationships. In the series that just finished, titled Reset, there was a portion where we needed to reset our mind concerning relationship. And this morning, we're going to take it a little bit further. So we're going to be looking at remodel relationships. Let's begin from the book of Genesis chapter 1, where it all started from. Genesis chapter 1, from verse 12, the scripture says, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God said, it was good. Here God said, after he said that the earth should bring forth his fruits and everything, God said it was good. When you look at in verse 18 as well, God saw that it was good. In verse 21, God repeated the same thing. And God saw it was good. In verse 25, and God saw it was good. Now, up until this time, God has been saying it was good. It was good. It was good. But in chapter 2, let's go to chapter 2 and see what God said was not good. The entire chapter 1, God kept saying, this was good, this was good, this was good. But when he got to chapter 2, verse 18, listen to what God said, it was not good. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So here God said, it is not good for the man to be alone or to be the center of himself or for the man to be standing alone. His God said that it is not good. And God said, I will make him a help that is suitable, a help that is meet for him. You will notice in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the pattern. So many things that God said was good. You could see the pattern. God kept saying that so many things was good. But in chapter 2, something popped up that God said was not good. God said, what was it that God said was not good? God said it was not good that the man will be alone or that the man will be all in one or that the man should be the center of himself or that the man should stand alone. So God created the help that is suitable or that is meet for the man. Now, let's break down the word help. The word help in Hebrew simply means a strength and a rescuer. That is what the word help means in Hebrew. Because don't forget, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The word help in Hebrew is, it means a strength and a rescuer. The word help in that Genesis chapter 2 that God used is not a verb. It is a noun. Even our heavenly father describes himself as our help. So the word help there that God used is not referring to the woman being a subordinate to the man. That is not what the word help there was referring to because it was not a verb, it was a noun. When you look also at another word that is very strong in that verse, in that verse, chapter 2, verse 18, it is the word meet, M-E-E-T, which in Hebrew it means someone 
who is face to face with you. It means someone who is corresponding with you. In Greek, that word meet in Greek, it means someone who is equal to him. So the word of God is so clear about the adjectives that describes the help that God said will be good for the man. So God created the female species so that Adam could have someone he can focus on. So that Adam could have someone who will provide company, someone who will provide companionship, someone who will provide partnership. So someone who could be a co-creator with him on the planet earth someone who could be a co-participator in the dominion and authority god has given to man over the planet earth please understand friends that god created man to operate in the same dominion and authority like himself according to genesis chapter 20 chapter 1 verse 26 to 27 the bible recorded that god gave both male and female authority and dominion over the earth in chapter 3 the bible recorded they ate from the tree that god instructed them not to eat from and their eyes were open which is a teaching for another day altogether their eyes were open to see that they were naked now from there onwards disobedience entered into the life of mankind sin also entered now i'm trying to point you back to you know the original plan of god and how man interfered with the original plan of god in the area of relationship now go with me to genesis chapter 3 verse 12 the bible recorded then the man said the woman after sin entered the world, they messed it up. When God came to Adam to question him, what have you done? What has gone wrong? Now, let's see Genesis 3, 12. And the man said, the woman you have, you gave to be with me, she gave me the, of the tree and I ate. You, you notice this place, when God questioned Adam, who was the first person he gave the instruction of the garden to, Adam started blaming Eve. He shifted responsibility to Eve and blamed her for everything. Now, let's look at God's response. Genesis chapter 3 again. God, let's look at God's response from verse 13 to 16. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, take note of that. To the woman, take note of this very carefully. He said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain shall you bring forth children your desire shall be for your husband underline those scriptures your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you here there was a shifting of there was a shifting on 
what God originally intended for both of them. Both of them were no longer now focusing on God. They started focusing on themselves. The Bible recorded from this point, they became self-conscious. They were no longer God-conscious. Their relationship with one another shifted. They started blaming each other. One, uh, one of the key things you will notice here is, not just their focus shifting, their roles also were changed. In this scripture, you could see now that the roles of the man and the woman also changed. In the beginning, their roles were very clear. They both had the authority. They both had dominion. They were both made in the image and the likeness of God. They had equal privilege and opportunity to use and exercise their God-given authority over the earth. But in verse 16... God, their role changed after they sinned. God said now to the woman, your desire and your cravings will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Please listen to me very carefully on this. Now, you need to understand that the dominating of the man over the woman was as a result of the sin that happened in the garden of Eden. It was not so from the beginning. When you saw, when you look at from chapter 1, chapter 2, you will see that there was nowhere where God created the man and the woman to dominate each other. But in chapter 3, verse 16, after sin came, by the reason of disobedience, you could now see that, you know, everything changed. Please also understand this. God created both the man and woman in his image. God gave the man and woman a divine mandate to exercise dominion over creation, not over each other. Their original mandate was to, for them to exercise dominion over creation, not exercise dominion over each other. So when you look at that scripture in verse 16, that your desire shall be for your husband and you, he shall rule over you, it was as a result of sin. That was not God's original intention for the man and for the woman. So God made this pronouncement after sin came. But again, God in his mercy sent his son Jesus Christ to come and deal with the patriarchy that existed as a result of sin. God in his mercy, because that was not his original intention, God in his mercy sent Jesus to come and deal with the patriarchy that existed as a result of sin. Listen, friends. Patriarchy was not God's intention and will never be God's intention. God didn't design the male and female to exclude each other. God sent Jesus so to come and deal with this thing that was not normal there. You need to understand in the original creation from the beginning, it was not so. So God had to send Jesus to come and deal with it. He sent Jesus to also come and deal with the patriarchy that existed or that was normal in the Jewish culture and in the Greek culture and in the Roman Empire those days. So God sent Jesus to come and become a perfect picture of what the love of God is. So that you and I can understand what love looks like. Because friends, 
Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, the relationship of the man and the woman changed. When their relationship changed, their roles changed. When their roles changed, listen to this, abuse entered, violence entered. When their roles changed, from God's original intention from them, abuse entered and also violence entered. This was how violence and abuse entered into the relationship between male and female. Jesus walked this earth and when he walked this earth, he modeled for us, he modeled for us love. He modeled for you and I servanthood. He showed us that we don't have to limit ourselves anymore to what happened in the Garden of Eden. That is to say, friends, his arrival opened up the way for us to be redeemed, for us to be restored back to the Father, for us to also be restored back to the Father's original intention for us. Now you and I can be in the position to operate as hairs and joint hairs with him. Jesus' arrival changed the notion that the woman is inferior to the man. Listen to me friends, the arrival of Jesus changed the notion that women are inferior to men. Hallelujah. Go with me to the New Testament quickly. Go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. Read with me please, as I read it slowly, read with me. For he himself is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He broke down Jesus himself. He was our peace. He was made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That is the coming of Jesus Christ destroyed the wall of separation between us and God. There was separation between mankind and God. Jesus came. He tore down that wall of separation. Verse 15 now says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. Take note of that. He created in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. <laughs> Jesus came and changed everything and created one new man, both male and female, one new man. When he did that, by doing that, he made peace peace. Hallelujah. He didn't just reconcile us back to God. He came as well and changed the notion that women are inferior to men. He came and canceled out the notion that women are inferior to men. Hallelujah. Listen to this friends. Under the law, there were severe punishment when a person breaks the law. And sometimes part of the punishment can even be death attached to the breaking of the law. But under the law as well, you need to also understand, under the law, fear, wrath, and punishment was used as a motivation for people to obey God. Under the law, fear, wrath, 
the wrath of God and the punishment of God was used as a motivation for people to obey God. But now as believers, you are not to fear the wrath of God. Why? Because there is no more wrath of God. The coming of Jesus took care of that. It abolished. There is no more wrath of God. That is why if anyone tells you that you was God, God will destroy you or there is a wrath of God against your life, they lie because there is nothing like that. Under the new covenant, Jesus paid the price, canceled that completely, the wrath of God. He took it out of the way. No longer should you relate to God in fear. No longer should you come to him in fear. No longer should you relate to God in fear. You come to him knowing that he is your heavenly father. And friends, listen to this. You must believe that God loves you. Because friends, when you believe that God loves you, it changes your approach the way you relate to God. You need to believe that God believes in you. You need to believe that God cares for you. That is why in our life church, we say this, we say, we don't only, you don't, we don't only believe that, you know, you, we know that you believe in God, but you must also believe that God believes in you. So you need to understand that. And the book of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19 now tells us, for the Lord made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. We have a better hope now that enables us to draw near to God. We are not running from God. We draw near to God. Even when you mess up, you still need to draw near to God. Religion tells you that when you mess up, you run from God. But the scripture tells us here that through which we draw near to God. We have this better hope that when we when anything happens to us, we are able to run back to God. Why? God is our father. Friends, stop running from God. He wants you to draw near to him just as you are. Galatians 3.13 now says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Listen friends, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. He has redeemed you from the terror of God. He has redeemed you from guilt and shame. Jesus has brought you back from out of bondage and returned you back to the loving arms of your heavenly father. He has delivered you from bondage so that you can receive the promise of the spirit. So the arrival of Jesus broke the law that was established against male and female. That was what the arrival of Jesus did through the mercy of God. So listen to this. During the time that Jesus came to the earth, there were roles that was existing then between men and women. Men were ruling over women during the time that Jesus came to the earth. Women were treated as a property. During the time that Jesus came to the earth. But when Jesus came, he modeled to us love and grace. He came to show to us not to dominate over one another anymore. Not to dominate one another anymore. He showed us the true picture of the love of the Father. 
He showed us the true picture of the love of the Father. Before Jesus came, women were treated as second class citizens. They were treated as those who have no voice. They were treated as those who have no role to play, who have nothing to contribute. And listen, friends, when Jesus came, he abolished all of that. Via redemption, all of that was taken care of. Let's look at the word submission because that was one of the things that the law erroneously passed on to us. Let's look at the word submission. Now listen to this. Submission does not mean living or acting in fear. That is not submission. The fear of God, the submission does not mean you are having, you know, acting in fear. The fear of God is not in a terrified way. You do not, when we talk about the fear of God now, under the new covenant of grace, we're not talking about you being terrified of your father, but we're talking about the reverential fear. We're talking about honor towards your father. So you need to understand that submission does not mean to be living or acting in fear. You are not to live that way as a believer. You are not to be afraid of God because the word of God says, according to 1 John chapter 4 verse 18, that perfected love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. If you are in love with anyone and you are afraid of them, that is not love. And that is what religion wants us to believe. That, you know, that because we love God or because God loves us, we should act in terrified fear towards him. Perfected love cast out fear. Please understand that submission under the old covenant was based on fear. Under the old covenant, submission was based on fear. But when Jesus came, he canceled that submission that is born out of fear, that is born out of terror, that is born out of anxiety, and that is born out of apprehension. When Jesus came, he canceled out such submission. Submission is not abuse in any form. Listen, the church has been silent about these things. Submission is not abuse in any form. It's not abuse in the church. It's not abuse between spouses or between those who are in relationship. It's not abuse between parents and children. Submission does not equal to abuse. And you need to understand what the scripture says about submission. Many are abused in the church of Jesus Christ because of the word submission. Many are abused in marital relationship because of the word submission. Children are abused by their parents because of the word submission. Submission, I repeat, does not equal to abuse according to scriptures. Submission is not based on fear. Submission does not mean that you have to be abused physically or abused emotionally. The only that only happens under the law. But under the new covenant of grace, that is not how you are supposed to live. Submission is not abuse, not in the name of God, not in the, not in rape, not in incest or, or violence. That is not submission. Submission is not, is not in any way to equal to abuse. Hallelujah. So you need to take note of that. The Bible 
has not instructed anyone to submit to any type of abuse. It's not in the scriptures. Has not instructed for anyone to submit to any type of abuse, be it physical abuse, be it sexual abuse, be it emotional abuse, or any other kind of abuse. The Bible has not instructed any one of us to submit to such. Under the old covenant, submission was forced. But under the new covenant, you are not to allow any form of abuse disguising itself as submission. You are not to allow any form of abuse, be it in the church, be it in marital relationship, or be it in a relationship with the opposite sex, be it in a relationship between a father and a mother. You are not to allow any type of abuse. Listen, if you are in any form of abuse, you need to get out of it. If you are in any form of abuse, and look straight into the camera and listen to me very carefully. If you are in any form of abuse, this morning I speak to you as a pastor, get out of that. Get out of that abuse. Get out of it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, quickly, verse 1. Read, look at this scripture very carefully. It says, stand fast therefore in the liberty Stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. It's not a cliche. It's an instruction from God. He says, stand fast. Stay in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Don't allow yourself to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Jesus has completely liberated you. Stand fast in that liberty. Stay in that liberty. Listen, friends. Submission is God's call for everyone. Submission is not based on gender. That is what the law tells you. But that is not the scriptures. Submission is not based on gender. Submission is God's call for every one of us. Submission does not mean you live in your your brains behind the day you get married that is not submission submission does not mean you get into a relationship you forget your identity you forget who you are that is not submission submission does not mean you get into a church you no longer use your mind if you're told to stand on your head you just stand if you're told to misbehave you misbehave all in the name of submission that is not submission Galatians chapter 3. Go with me again to Galatians chapter 3. Take note of all of these scriptures I'm giving to you. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 to 29. It says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Come and say, I am putting on Christ. Say it loud and clear. I am putting on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. <laughs> now look at this. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He said there is neither slave nor free, neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female. You are all now one in Christ. When Jesus looks at us or when God looks at us rather, he sees us as one in Christ. In Christ we are all one now. 
we all have received the same gift of the Holy Spirit. My wife didn't receive a female Holy Spirit. And I received the male Holy Spirit. There's nothing like that. We all receive the same gift of the Father, the same Holy Spirit. There is no more inferiority or superiority. We all are one. We all are now Abraham's seed. And we all are now heirs according to the promise. So friends, submission is not based on gender. Submission is life that is submitted in the Holy Spirit. Submission is life submitted in the Holy Spirit. Submission is every one of us submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit. Submission is liberty and freedom in the Holy Spirit. That is submission. Liberty and freedom in the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Write the scriptures down. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 to 21. I read. It says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting, did you see that? submitting to one another in the fear of God. Jesus came to show us what submission looked like. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen friends, the time Jesus came to show us what submission looked like, it was when gender roles has been defined by the law. When patriarchy has been exalted. When discrimination, prejudice, and biases existed. But Jesus came and modeled the love of God for us in John chapter 8. When you study that scripture, the woman that was caught in adultery by the patriarchal, by the patriarchy of the days of Jesus, when they brought the woman to him, he said to them, if any of you have not committed sin, Cast the first stone. And the Bible record that every one of them, their conscience condemned them and they all left. Listen, they told Jesus, they caught her in the sin of adultery. You don't commit adultery with yourself alone. There must be a willing participant. There was a willing participant who was a man. But because the society then was full of patriarchy, was a society that have exalted patriarchy, that have produced discrimination, prejudice, biases against women, they left the man and they brought the woman to be killed. What a wicked world. They left the man and brought the woman to be killed. And Jesus said, you guys won't do this under me. I will not permit that. I will not allow you people continue to oppress one another all in the name of submission and jesus said to them if any of you men they were all men there was no one single woman in that crowd they were all men he said if you have not come if you if you have no sin cast the first stone and they all left the bible recorded from the least to the greatest they all left Hallelujah. I don't know who you are. Listen, don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody tell you that the reason why things are not working for you is because God hates you or because of the sins you have committed. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Listen to me. Jesus took care of your sin, past, present, and future. If things are not working around you, locate why it's not working. Deal with it. 
God is not the one behind why things are not working. If, if you're, if you're afflicted in your body, it is not as a result of sin. It's as a result of satanic attack. Arise and command the devil to get his filthy hands off your body. Listen, friends, God will not punish you because of the things you have done. Why? Because Jesus Christ took the punishment on your behalf. He paid the price so that you can become the accepted in the beloved. Give Jesus praise this morning. Hallelujah. So Jesus came and the Bible said he called in Mary Magdalene. That was the woman. He called in the woman by the well as well. When Jesus came, he said to them, you were the reason I came to give my life as a ransom. You were the reason I came to give that life. He called Mary Magdalene. He called the woman by the well that had had so many husbands. You know, he came and said, you people were the reason I came to lay down my life. Hallelujah. Please give me a few more minutes. Let me say a couple of things here. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to submit ourselves to one another. And based on this scripture, we need to begin to ask ourselves some questions. We need to begin to ask ourselves some deep questions. Number one, question you need to begin to ask yourself, are you cultivating a submissive heart as a person, as a believer, as a Christian? Number two, are you willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, whom every one of us is to submit to? Number three, are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit give you a different opinion from what you hold? Number four, do you treat the opposite sex in a way that will make submission to you an appealing idea? Number five, do you lead in situations such as your professional life, business life, social life, spiritual life with confidence and yet with gentleness? Do you do that? Number six, are you humble enough to submit to others when the situation calls for it? Number seven, husbands listening to me this morning, husbands that are listening to me, do you submit to your wife when the situation calls for it? Number eight, as a young man and you are not married yet, but do you humbly submit to the opposite sex when the situation calls for it? Number nine, those in marriage or those who are in a relationship, are you open to praying together on important issues? I know you go for dates, you do all kinds of things, but are you open to praying together on important issues? The Bible has instructed us to submit to one another in the fear of God according to Ephesians chapter 5. So it is not just, you know, Cordelia submitting to me. It is also I submit to her, she submit to me. It is both of us submitting to one another in the fear of God. So it is not just your wife submitting to you as a husband. You also submit to her. She submits to you and both of you together. You submit to the Holy Spirit in the fear of God. Number 10, how do you respond when your spouse disagree with you? If you're married or if you're in a relationship, how do you respond when your spouse disagree with you? When the one you are in a relationship with disagrees with you, how do you respond? How do you respond? You need to check. How have you been responding? How do you respond? Number 11, as a young man that is dating, how will you lead the woman that you are dating as your wife? How will you lead her as your wife? Will you be a source of love, of nourishing and leading her from a position of love? 
Listen, friends, real headship, take note of this, real headship leads from a position of love, not of domination, not of oppression, or violence. Take note of that. Put it on the screen if you can. Real headship leads from a position of love, not of domination, not of oppression, or violence. So we need to stop this religious submission that is not biblical. We need to stop this blind submission that has nothing to do with scriptures. You need to stop it. You need to stop submitting blindly to things that are not in agreement with scriptures. That is why I started by reset. You need to reset your mind in the area of relationship. Ephesians 5 verse 20 to 24 it says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God, Wives, submit to your own husbands and to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, also as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives say to their own husbands in everything. Listen, ladies, if your husband comes to tell you now and say to you, go and rob a bank, don't listen. That's not submission. So, when the Bible is talking about submission here, submitting to your husband, he's not talking about your husband comes to tell you now, let's go and do something funny. You agree, that is not submission. You can't submit to that. That is not submission. When you continue that scripture, verse 25 to 29, husbands, take note of that, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. We live in a time where men are looking for women to give themselves for them. And yet, that is not what the scripture says. The scripture says husbands. It didn't say wife. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How did Christ love the church? Christ died for the church. Christ didn't kill the church. Christ died for the church. Husbands, listen to me. Christ died for the church. Christ did not kill the church. So if as a husband you kill your wife, then you, 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 you do not understand what, what is happening. Actually, something is wrong with you. Christ died for the church. He didn't kill the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy without blemish. So husband ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wives loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh. The way you treat your wife is that how you treat yourself. The way you treat that lady you're in a relationship with, is that how you treat yourself? He said, but nourish it. The way you nourish and cherish yourself, is that how you do to your wife? It is just as the Lord does the church. So if you're married, how do you and your spouse, let me also ask this. If you're married, how do you and your spouse make big decisions together? Does one try to manipulate the other into cooperation? If you are the wife, do you respectfully explain your thoughts? And does your husband lovingly consider your input? I'm asking you, do you? Does he do that? Does he do that? Be very honest. Does he respectfully consider your input? If you are the husband, does your wife willingly follow your lead? Or do you force her to follow your lead? Do you force her to follow your lead? Do you force her? You are not in a military relationship. Do you force her to follow your lead? Are you open to your wife's input? Do you lead your wife and your family sacrificially as a servant called to serve that household? 
In the book of Ephesians, Jesus modeled the servanthood, modeled the sacrificial life. And as a result, he was able to lead the church from a position of love and grace. Are you leading your family from a position of love and grace? Or have you become a tyrant? Have you become a bully in that house? Have you become an aggressor in that house? So you need to begin to ask all of that. So based on this, as I close this morning, submission is no longer on the law depending on the flesh. Submission now is based on grace depending on the Holy Spirit. Submission is no longer on the law based on the flesh. Submission is not depending on grace. is now based on grace depending on the Holy Spirit. Submission is done voluntarily and cannot be forced upon a person. If you force submission, it is considered as violence, abuse, and it is dangerous. Submission is gen submission in general does not equal to abuse in any form, in any form, at workplace, anywhere. Submission does not equal to abuse. Submission to God to our, or to one another does not equal to abuse. Men and women were created equal by God, but they are different in the way they express themselves. And the woman is not a weaker vessel. No. The woman is a vessel that expresses herself the way God has empowered her. And the idea also that men do not have a nurturing ability is also not true. Why? God is our father and he nurtures us. And manhood is synonymous to Christ-likeness. So if God is our father who nurtures us, the Bible calls him El Shaddai, the double-breasted one. If he is our father who nurtures us, then we as men, we also have a nurturing ability. And some of you men are already like that. You are a nurturer. Nurture the things that God has put in your hands. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Ngocacha. Till next time.